Welcome to the Peckway Church Podcast. We're glad you're here. At Peckway, our mission is to transform lives by connecting people with God and with each other. It's our hope that this message will give you hope and encourage you to take the next step in your journey with Christ. For more information about our services and weekly ministries, visit us at peckwaychurch.com. to bless you with this song this morning.
Thank you so much for being here today. It's great to see you. And online, thank you for tuning in with us today. We're so excited to be worshiping together, all together, wherever we are. And so, uh, you know, we're excited also about this sermon series as we've been looking at heroes of the faith, uh, people that God has used uh, to be able to, to further his kingdom and things that we're learning from their lives. And so uh, today we're going to look at that as well. And that's why we started with that song this morning. Courageous faith is what we're going to talk about today in Deborah's life, the example that she showed us. And so, you know, what do you need courage today to step out in faith to do? What kind of mountains are there uh, that need to be moved in your life that we can trust God today for? So I'm hoping that you'll be encouraged uh, for that as we look at the sermon today. Inside of your bulletin is a green connection card. I'm going to go ahead and invite all of us to take that out. Begin filling that out as I'm talking to you today. Online, you're going to find a connect link there in the chat window as well. But say hello, reach out to us, and say uh, fill out those cards, fill out the online card as well. But on the back of that card are some places that you can write comments or questions and any kind of thing like that, prayer requests. And so um, begin thinking about what is it that you need courageous faith for today. And if you will trust us to pray with you with that, write that in that box there on the back of the card, and we'll do that. We will partner with you uh, and pray with you as you're trusting God this week for things that you need courageous faith for. We'll also reach out and say hello to you. We won't spam you. We won't do any of those things. We simply love to put resources in your hands that help you connect with God and with other people uh, as we walk this faith journey together. Well, um, you know, uh, there's many things inside of your bulletin you can look at here today. You can look online on the website. There's things there that you can make those connection points as well. But say hello in the chat to uh, Alice as she's doing that today. And uh, we're going to continue our service as we sing about these things, about the courage that we can take and uh, that we can trust God for. You know, no matter what happens in our life, we can choose to worship him and raise a hallelujah. So stand with me as we do that today, as we raise our praise to him. I raise a hallelujah in the presence of my enemies. I raise a hallelujah louder than the unbelief. I raise a hallelujah. My weapon is a melody. 
today, and our fear doesn't stand a chance when we're standing in His, uh, his love. And that's what we're going to sing about. So lift your praise with us as we sing that together. our prayer for you today that you're standing in his love this next song we sing we declare that even though uh, people might believe that God can't move mountains he can't do things or you might believe that today I want you to be encouraged that our God is all-powerful and he can give you courageous faith to follow him today would you sing this with me 
with me. God, we believe in you today for miracles, Father, for uh, moving mountains. God, as we stand in your love, we've sang, we've declared all of these things today. I pray that those would be the prayers of our heart, that if we declare those today, God, would you crash over us with your love, uh, Lord, as, we, as you call us out to step out with courageous faith today and to believe, God, because you go before us. You make a way, Father, when we follow in the tracks that you've set for us, the path that you set for us, God. We know that we can walk, walk safely, God, that we can walk with trust because you never leave us or forsake us. God, there's so many promises uh, that we can believe in and trust in today. So as we look at Deborah's life, Father, would you help us to maybe identify with, uh, with her life or where we're not uh, maybe following you, God, like she was following you? And so, uh, Lord, as we look at this today, would you form and shape us as we uh, surrender ourselves to you? And we pray and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. And I just want to join with Pastor Scott in welcoming you and say good morning. It's good to be with you, whether here in the building or online. But as you kind of settle in and as I settle in here, I just want to say thanks to a couple different groups. The first is just the worship team. I, I, I thank you for doing such a great job and tech team of helping us focus in, I think, just a great way on the theme for this morning. The other is to thank you. Uh, you know, I, I spent some, you know, I, I spent about eight years living in Canada, so weather like this is fairly normal for me. But as I looked this morning, I was up at... Uh, early this morning and looked at it, it was like negative two was the was the actual temperature that it felt like and so you're a resilient group of folks that you're here first hour you could have laid in to wait till it got to at least 15 but you decided to be here this morning so I'm glad that you're here but let me ask you a question as we get into the message this morning what comes to your mind when I say the word great when I say the word great what comes to your mind now here be my guess I don't know what comes to your mind but here's what I guess it's probably an image of something an image of something that represents greatness for you. It probably wasn't a word. It probably was an image. For example, some of you probably thought of an athlete. I don't know. If you're a little bit older like myself, maybe you thought about Muhammad Ali, you know, the man who continually his entire career claimed, I am the greatest. That was his mantra for his career. Maybe some of you a little bit younger, Gabby Douglas, Michael Phelps, I don't know. But you thought of somebody. You thought of an athlete. Others of you, you didn't think about an athlete. You thought about an animal. You thought about a great white shark. You thought about an African elephant. You thought about a great, you know, blue whale. You thought about an animal. Still others of you, you thought about one of the wonders of the world. You know, you thought about the Great Wall of China. You thought about the pyramids. You thought about one of these incredible, either man-made or natural wonders of the world. Still others of you, and this tends to be my default, you thought of a leader. And so you thought of someone like Abraham Lincoln. You thought of Martin Luther King Jr. You thought maybe those of you who were kind of fascinated with the World War II era, maybe you thought about Winston Churchill. But the reality is we all thought about something, but here's what I would suggest. Our tendency isn't to think when I say, what do you think when you think great? Our tendency isn't to think character traits. In other words, our tendency isn't to think things like wisdom and sacrifice integrity. And yet the reality is that's exactly, in God's economy, what makes a man or a woman great. It's those character traits. 
who we are on the inside when no one's looking, and that inside character from which decisions and choices are made. And that's what this series is about. We're looking at five people, three men, two women, and the choices they made that truly propelled them, who catapulted them in some ways into greatness. Now, by way of review, if this is your first Sunday with us, so far in this series, we've looked at, we've looked at Solomon and his choice for wisdom. We've looked at Joseph and his choice for integrity. Last week we looked at, or two weeks ago, we looked at Esther and her choice for sacrifice. And that brings us to who we're going to look at today, a woman by the name of Deborah. And we're going to look at her choice for courage. Now, if you're not familiar with Deborah, and many aren't because their story's kind of tucked away in a little red book uh, called The Book of Judges. It's just two chapters long, her story. But in the book of Judges, this is how we're introduced to Deborah. I want you to take out your outlines if you haven't, or if you want to, prefer. Turn in the book of Judges to chapter 4, because here's how we're introduced to Deborah. It says, Deborah, a prophetess, a wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at that time. She held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites came to her to have their disputes decided. Now, in those two verses, we're given three important facts about Deborah. And let me just give them to you. Let me walk you through them. The first fact we're given about Deborah is this. She was a prophetess. She was a prophetess. If you don't know how to spell that, look up on the screen. But look at what we begin with in verse 4. It says, Deborah, a prophetess, the wife of Lapidoth. Now, here, if you don't know, here let me explain. A prophetess is simply a female prophet. And so the question we need to ask is, so what was significant about that? What is or who is a prophet? And I say that because I want to disabuse us of this tendency that many of us have, and it's not completely wrong, but it's misguided, and that is when we hear the word prophet, the thing that often comes to our mind first is the idea that this man, this woman, foretells the future, right? We, 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 that's what we think when we think of a prophet. It's someone who's going to foretell the future. And while for an Old Testament prophet they did a bit of that, that wasn't their primary role. The primary role, first and foremost, what a prophet of God did in the Old Testament was to serve as God's mouthpiece. So the primary role of a prophet was to proclaim God's will, God's word, to his people about a particular issue, around a particular circumstance, which means this. Here's the applicable important part of that, which means a true prophet was never, ever self-appointed. A true prophet was always appointed by God, and therefore that prophet could say, thus saith the Lord, the common, well-known phrase that prophets spoke. But that was only possible because they were, in fact, appointed, instituted, put in place by God. That's the first thing we're told about Deborah. She was a prophetess. Let me give you the second thing. She was a judge. She was a judge. Take a look at what we read later in the latter part of verse 4. It says, Deborah, prophetess, the wife, wife of Lapidoth, was leading Israel at the time. And she held court under the palm of Deborah between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim. Now, what we need to understand in, in this context is that after Joshua died and before the kings were instituted, there was the period of the judges. That's what the book of Judges is all about. There were these men and these women who God appointed to lead his people, to kind of serve as their overseers in, in the community. After there was, there was no more Moses, there was no more Joshua, and yet there were no kings. 
And here's what usually happened. Here's how a judge came about. More often than not, God appointed a judge in a moment of national crisis. In a time when their people were in trouble, the Israelites were being oppressed or attacked, and God would lift up a judge. He would appoint a judge, really, to deliver the people. And so 14 judges are identified for us in the book of Judges, and every one of them had what I would say was, was a pretty challenging, if not downright difficult job to do, to deliver the people of God. Yet here's what I want, want you to see. Out of the 14 judges that are identified for us in the book of Judges, four stand out. Four really kind of stand head and shoulders above the rest of the judges, and that is Gideon, Samson, Samuel, and yes, believe it or not, Deborah. That's the second thing we know about her. The scripture tells us that she was a judge, a leader of God's people. The final thing we're told about Deborah is she was a person of immense influence and wisdom. She was a person of immense influence and wisdom because we read in verse 5 that the Israelites came to her to have their disputes decided, to have them settled. So the image there is the people of Israel from all over the land came to Deborah there at the tree of Deborah for her to settle their disputes. Why? There was only one reason, the scripture tells us, because she was immensely wise. She was an incredibly wise person, a wise woman. So that's who Deborah was. But the question I want to focus on this morning, we need to look at this morning, is what was the choice that she made that set her up for greatness? And really kind of a corollary to that, kind of growing out of that, we need to ask ourselves, what was it about Deborah that God saw in Deborah that led him to choose her to be one of the 14 judges over Israel. And even kind of related to that is, what was it that the men and the people of Israel saw in Deborah that led the men especially to follow her, to willingly follow her as their leader in a day and age when women were treated like second-class citizens, when patriarchal society was at its apex? What was it about this woman? What was it about Deborah? that led people to follow her, that led God to select her, that really set her up for greatness. Well, let's see if we can find out. Let's keep reading. Take a look at the next set of verses there on your outline. It says, She sent for Barak, or rather Barak, and said to him, The Lord, the God of Israel, commands you, Go, take with you 10,000 men, and lead the way to Mount Tabor. I will lure Sisera with his chariots and his troops to the Kishon River and give him into your hands. So again, here's the context. God speaks to Deborah and tells her to go to Israel's top commander, if you will, her top general, the man by the name of Barak, and tell him to go out, and it's time. It's time to go out and face and fight and defeat the Canaanite army that was led by a man by the name of Sisera. Because the Canaanites had been and continued for 20 years, had been oppressing, attacking, and robbing, and ultimately occupying the land of Israel. And God said, as enough is enough. But the problem is, the significance of Deborah saying that to Barak was this, and you need to understand this. At that time, there was no one with the clout to call all the tribes of Israel together. They were, they were dis, disunited. They were disjointed. They did not function and operate or fight as one. There was no one at that time that could bring the people together. That is until God brought Deborah on the scene. And all that begin, began to change. So, again, what we need to understand is in that context that not only the people were being attacked, but this, who were attacking them was the Canaanite army. And the Canaanite army was a formidable force. They had multiple, multiple soldiers. They, they had a vast number of troops. But the most important thing they had, we'll see in just a minute, 
was iron chariots. We're told later on, and you'll see it at the end of the message, that they had 900 iron chariots. You say, big deal. Well, you need to understand, chariots in that day were the heavy armor of today. They were the tanks of that day. They were killing platforms that people could stand on above the fray of the fight and literally kill at will. And it says Sisera had 900 of those. Israel had none. Now, they had troops, but they had no chariots. But what Deborah was trying to help uh, Barak understand is what they had that the Canaanites did was God. And God had said, it directed her to tell Barak that he needed to go out and face down the Canaanites, and he promised he would defeat him, that they would, in fact, that God would give Barak and the Israelite army victory, that they would ultimately conquer these oppressors. But I want you to notice Barak's response. Barak said to her, that is to Deborah, if you go with me, I will go. But if you don't go with me, I won't go. In other words, Barak is saying, you know, Deborah, if you'll go and, you, and you'll face this with me, I'll go. But if you won't, there's no way I'm going. Have you ever played that game? Have you ever leaned on someone else for courage? Have you ever leaned on somebody else for the courage to do something that you know you needed to do, but you're terrified to do? Well, that was Barak. That's exactly what Barak did. In fact, he, he took it a step further because he literally refused to do what God told him to do unless Deborah was willing to go and not only go with him, but I, again, I'm saying this a bit flippantly, but literally hold his hand. He says, unless you go, I'm not going. Now, again, we need to understand what was at stake here. We need to understand what this general was supposed to be doing. Barak was supposed to be facing down the Canaanites because the Canaanites were occupying and oppressing this people. And so again, so God spoke to him through Deborah and said, step it up, son. Lean into the fray because I guarantee you success. I promise you, you will be victorious. And the only thing God asked of him for that to become a reality was for Barak to choose courageous faith. That was all. That's all that God asked him. He was, I need you to step out in faith, to act courageously in faith. But it's clear from the text that Barak didn't have it in him. He literally did not have it in him. But Deborah did. So take a look at what we read next. It says this, Very well, Deborah said, I will go with you. But because of the way you're going about this, the honor will not be yours. For the Lord will hand over Sisera over to a woman. So Deborah went with Barak. 10,000 men followed him, and Deborah also went with him. So, so let's just make sure we're clear here. The choice that Deborah made that made her great was the choice of courageous faith. For she said to Barak, very clearly said, I know you're afraid. You need to understand, I, I'm frightened too. I'm, I'm terrified too, but I will not let that fear keep me from choosing or exercising courageous faith. But because you are and you will not exercise that faith, it will keep you from honor. And she was absolutely right, folks, and we need to understand that. When you and I, in the face of a fear, however real or imagined, when we choose not to exercise courageous faith, we'll never receive the honor that goes with it. God will give it to someone else. God will lift someone else up to accomplish his will. So she was absolutely right. She, she was absolutely right when she told Brock, Brock, you are missing your day. You are missing your moment. So what happened next? Well, let's, let's keep reading. For we read, when they told Sisera that 
that Barak had gone up to Mount Tabor, Sisera gathered together his 900 iron chariots and all the men with him. Then Deborah said to Barak, go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not God, the Lord, gone ahead of you? So Barak went down from Mount Tabor, followed by 10,000 men. Now again, if we're not careful, if we're reading too fast, we might miss what's really going on here, because what's really going on here is for a second time, Barak buckled. For the second time, he froze. For a second time, he looked to Deborah to exercise and demonstrate the courage that he didn't possess. And once again, Deborah exercised that and made the choice for courageous faith, not only for herself, but for Barak and the entire Israelite army. For she said, go, this is your day. What don't you understand? God said it was so. In fact, God is going before you into the battle. And it was only after she said that, only after hearing that, that Barak finally went down Mount Tabor into the valley to engage the battle. And the rest, as they say, and we've all said it, the rest is history, folks, because what happened after he finally exercised courageous faith, after, after Barak finally moved out, God sent a horrendous storm that literally flooded the valley, and as a result, the iron chariots got bogged down the mud, effectively just destroying their, any of their military advantage. They were useless. And for that reason, the Israeli army was able to carry the day. They won the victory, just as God said they would. And I share all that because what it does is what it teaches us, what it reveals to us, is why choosing courageous faith is one of the most important decisions you and I can make. Why it's absolutely essential that you and I learn to exercise and more importantly, choose courageous faith. And it's part of the reason why for this entire series, for the last four weeks, we've been chasing this idea of choice. Because the reality is, folks, courage, like, like integrity, like sacrifice, like wisdom, is something we don't just simply have. It's something more accurately that we actually choose. In fact, it's something that we must continually cultivate and develop in our lives. But that's not the way we think about it. That's not the way we talk about it most of the time, is it? I mean, think about how we talk about integrity, courage, and we think about things like sacrifice. We say she had courage. He has integrity. They are sacrificial. And when we talk like that, in one sense it's accurate, folks, but listen to me. When we talk like that, if we're not careful and we think like that, we miss the deeper reality that's really there, and that is what we're really talking about is a man or a woman who habitually, continually, repeatedly chooses integrity, continually, repeatedly, as a way of life and character, chooses wisdom and integrity. That's what we're talking about. And so listen, the choice when it comes to courage and fear is just that. It really is a choice. And it isn't simply a choice between having fear and not having fear. Rather, folks, it's a choice between being frozen by fear and moving forward in faith. It really is a difference between giving in to fear and therefore refusing to obey, to obey God as Barak did or exercising faith and choosing to obey God like Deborah did. Which means, here, here's where it all boils down, folks, which means Deborah did what she did not because she chose courage. Deborah did what she did because she chose God. For listen again what she says to Barak. She says, go, this is the day the Lord has given Sisera into your hands. Has not the Lord 
gone ahead of you. Again, clearly, folks, Deborah didn't choose courage because she had no fear. What we need to understand, the lesson for us, is that she chose courage because she had a God. Which really and truly means, folks, Deborah did what she did because she chose to trust and obey God. And that distinction that is so important that I want to make sure we get it. And so what I want to do this morning is I just want to sketch it out for you. And before we move into that, I just want to say thank you to Billy Milan who put this together for us because right, some of you know my greatest fear in life is singing in public. Right behind that is drawing in public. So rather than getting an easel, Billy was gracious to me and put this together. But let's just kind of sketch this out. Let's just net this out. And you have room there on the bottom of your outline. I'd encourage you to kind of make your own drawing. I promise you I won't have you show anyone. But I really want you to capture this because I think the visual image is helpful. Now, here's where I'm going to begin. Just like Barack, because again, let me go back in history. What, what soldiers would do back in that day is one army would get on this hill or this mountain, and another would get on this hill and this mountain, and they'd meet in the middle. They'd meet in the valley, and that's, way, and that's where they would wage war. That's where they would do battle. And here's my point. Here's why I share that. In your life and mine, folks, there are valleys. Every one of us have a valley. And on the left side or one side of that valley, I promise you, is fear. In your life and mine, we have fear on one side of the valley. On the other side of the valley, folks, is courage. And here's what we need to understand. That in between those two, down in the valley, is the obedient issue in your life and mine. It's the issue that you and I need to embrace, and God is calling us to, that depending on how we respond to it, either we'll do one of two things. It'll either fuel our fear, or it will encourage our courage. That obedience issue will do one of those two things. And listen to me, that issue could be anything. The issue could be money. I mean, it could be finance. It could be, you know, the, the issue of saying, I, I don't believe, I don't know that if I honor God with my finances, if I honor God with financial stewardship, that he will take care of me. Even though you know in your head and your heart that you know, but I know in God's word, he promised differently. The issue for some of us could be relational. We could, we could be afraid that if I don't compromise relationally, ethically, sexually, that I'll be alone in life. And we know where God stands. We know the stand that God is calling us to take. We know His standard clearly. And yet we're really not convinced, perhaps, that what God's calling us to, that standard is calling us to, really is the best way, that the virtuous life is the best life. But here's what I want you to understand. Regardless of the issue, folks, whatever that fear is, whatever that obedience issue is, here's what I know. Ultimately, we will decide for or against it based on whether we are going to choose fear or courage. So choosing fear, folks, really is about you and I choosing not to trust God, to, to obey God, because it's the obedience issue. So here's what I want us to understand. That's why the bridge that we need in your life and mine to bring us from fear to courage is a bridge of courageous faith. That's the choice that we need to make. That's the decision that we need to make. And it could be, and when I say courageous faith, folks, it could be it's faith in God. It's faith that God will do what he said he would do, that God will honor his promises. It's, it's, it's the belief and the faith that God's way really is the best. It's the f- belief that what God will do in response to our obedience is so outstanding, so incredible, that what fear threatens in your life and mine pales in comparison. 
It just eliminates it because what God will do is so much greater. And I share that to you which, because it helps us explain why. Do you know what the number one command of the Bible is? You don't have to shout it out, but the number one command of the Bible, I mean, hands down, the number one command in the Bible appears more than any other. In fact, it appears 366 times, one for every day of the year plus leap year, is the command, fear not. 366 times God speaks to us through his prophets, through his son, and says, fear not. Why? Because the thing that will keep you and I from exercising and choosing courageous faith is our fear, is our lack of faith, of believing that God will not do what he said he would do. And I say that because that was Brock's problem. He did not need Deborah to go with him. He needed to realize that God was with him, and in fact, God had gone before him. And that's as true for us, isn't it, as it was for Barack? It wasn't just his problem. It wasn't just his challenge. It's our challenge, too. One of my favorite authors and speakers and teachers, a man by the name of John Ortberg, most of you recognize the name, but he told a story I heard years ago, true story, the best I can gather from everything I've read and heard, that one day he and a couple friends were on a walk and on that walk, it was at night, and they came, and they came across a fight that was going on. It was a, not so much a fight as it was a beating. I mean, it was a group of several guys pounding on one man. And obviously, it was like many of us, as soon as they saw it, they go, we, we've got to do something. But if you've ever seen John Orberg, he's not the most physically threatening individual, neither were his friends, so they said the only thing we could think to do was to say, hey guys, break it up. Well, if you've ever been in those scenarios, and some of us have, you know that did absolutely nothing to stop the fight. It did absolutely nothing to stop the beating. But then out of the blue, suddenly the guys who were beating on the one man just stopped and, and began to run away. And John and his friend said, we had no idea what was happening until we turned around. And he said, then be, behind us, we saw the biggest human being we've ever seen in our life. He, he was probably 6'7", 300 pounds, probably 2% body fat. This man was massive and frightening. Now, they nicknamed him Bubba. They never said that to his face, but in talking about him, they called him Bubba. And they said, you know what? Bubba never said a thing. He just stood there, flexing, just waiting, hoping that someone in that group, those guys who were beating on that other individual, would, would be willing to take a shot at him. And John said, you know... When I realized Bubba was behind me, my attitude was transformed. Suddenly, I, I was no longer afraid. In fact, I felt this, this surge in this desire to confront the wrong that was going on. And so he said, as the man ran away, he said, don't let us catch you around here again. Now, reflecting on that story, John said, you know, days later, as I thought about that, he said, you know what, if I was convinced that Bubba was behind me 24 hours a day, seven days a week, I'd have a fundamentally different approach to life. You wouldn't want to mess with me. But he said, I realize I can't count on Bubba. Bubba's not with me 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But he said, over and over again, the biblical writers tell me that one greater than Bubba has come. And I don't have to wonder whether or not he will be with me, that he will show up because he is always with me. He will never leave me nor forsake me. So I don't have to live in fear. I don't have to live afraid. Now, in light of that, let me ask you a question. Where are you right now today 
Where are you not making the choices for greatness that God would have you make because you're afraid of a specific area of obedience in your life? In other words, where are you today living in fear? Because, folks, that's what this courageous faith really is all about. It's about choosing to act in, in, in faith and courage in areas where we know God has specifically and explicitly made his will for our life clear. Again, let's think about it. For some of us, it, it may be in the area of finances. For some of us, perhaps we're afraid to obey God in, in the area of our sexuality, perhaps in the area of our ethics in our relationships. My question is simply this, an answer for yourself, folks. What area is that for you today? What area in your life are you living in fear when it comes to obeying God's plan for greatness in your life? Are you holding back because you're afraid God won't provide? Are you holding back because you're afraid God won't show up? Are you holding back because you really don't think the virtuous life really is the best life? Are you holding back because you're afraid God really won't protect you? I want to encourage you to take some time to answer, not just ask, but answer those questions. And then in light of what you write down, here's what I want you to finish up asking yourself. What does those fears tell me about the size of my God? What do those fears tell me about how I view the capacity and the ability of my God. Friends, what I want to encourage you to do, what I've been encouraging myself to do this entire week as I prepared this message, is I want to encourage us to choose greatness by choosing courageous faith. Because when you and I choose courageous faith, just like Deborah, God shows up. God, in fact, I would say to you and to me, God in that moment is unleashed in our life. And that is the one way, in fact, the only true and reliable way to truly follow a path to greatness. And it is a path, folks, that each and every one of us can choose. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Heavenly Father, I just want to say for me, and I believe for many here today, either in the building or online, but for many of us, Father, we just say thank you for everything we've been learning through the examples of these great men and great women we've been studying, people like Solomon, people like Esther, people like Joseph, and today people like Deborah, men and women who made incredible life-defining choices that as hard as it is for us to believe that we can make too, that it's not beyond our capacity. So today, Father, I ask you to help us follow their example to make the choices they made. And specifically today, Father, and what we've just been looking at, I pray that you will help us choose like Deborah to be people of courageous faith when it comes to obeying your promises, when it comes to obeying your commands, when it comes to fulfilling your plan, your purpose, and your will for our lives. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jerry, for that message today and uh, for encouraging us to have courageous faith. And, uh, you know, Jerry mentioned 
several times all the different ways that we could be struggling with courage, and one of those was in finances. And, uh, you know, we've been looking at um, this proverb, uh, Proverbs 3 from King Solomon, where we've been talking about honoring the Lord with our wealth, with the first fruits of our crop. Uh, then our barns will be filled to overflowing, and our vats will brim over with new wine. And you might be thinking, well, I don't... <laughs> I don't make wine, and I don't have a barn. I don't have a barn, but some of you might have a barn. But, you know, so let's talk about the Scripture just a little bit as we're kind of wrapping that up and talking about this courageous faith this morning. Um, and so, you know, King Solomon was given great wisdom by God. And uh, so what he's doing here is he's laying out a general principle for us. And so, and it's simple that when we do what God says in his word, we step into more blessings uh, than we would if we ignored what he says. And that's true in every area of our lives, including our finances. And so, um, you know, we never give in order to get. We give in order to honor God, and he determines what kind of blessings that we're going to experience. But why? You know, why does God call us to honor him so that we would be blessed? And it's not so that we can keep, um, you know, keep God's blessing to ourselves, but he delights when his people um, you know, in turn, represent him well in the world, and that's by giving generously. So he's calling us to use what he's blessed us with to generously show others what he's like by giving. And so when Christians give, you know, we meet the spiritual needs of our community. We provide for the church to be strong and vibrant, and uh, we're able to reach out and bless others in Jesus' name. And so that's what we've been focusing on here um, as we've talked about these this giving uh, each each week at the end of our service. And so you guys have given generously, and as you continue to do, to do so, we're able to reach out. We're able to do things like uh, stream online, and we're continually working on that. And our online uh, viewers have been very patient with us. We've been kind of struggling with some uh, technical problems, and they're hanging in there with us. So, you know, we're, we're trying to make some changes, and it's those gifts that you give that help us to be able to do that. But I, I say thank you to our online viewers for uh, being patient with us as we've been kind of struggling with that over these past couple of weeks. You're going to see some changes coming very soon. We're going to be able to upgrade uh, our sound system. You've seen the pews blocked off in the back, um, but it's because of the generous gifts that you give for that as well. So we'll be able to make those those advances to be able to help people to hear the gospel and to, uh, to be able to help people online as we are able to spread the gospel that way as well. So thank you for doing that. I encourage you to step out in faith if this is maybe the first time that you're giving today. You can do that um, online. You can do it. There's going to be a, a give link there in the chat window. Uh, at the back of the room here, there are some envelopes that you can give. You can also give online by texting. You can find information in, the, in your bulletin about that and uh, also on the website. Uh, again, don't forget to fill out those green cards for us. There's also a very simple way I failed to mention earlier, but you can do text and church, which is our phone number, 717-872-5679, a very quick and easy way to fill out that connection card, and we'll say hello to you and reach out and say thank you for being a part of our service this week if this is your first time here with us. Thank you for your patience today and uh, for being here with this morning and worshiping, and uh, I hope to see you again next week. You're dismissed.